Justice Sotomayor? This would be the first time in the court's history, correct, that it would say that a business open to the public, as this petitioner has said it is, that it's open, a commercial business open to the public, serving the public, that it could refuse to serve a customer based on race, sex, religion, uh, or sexual orientation, correct? Correct. To repeat what Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor just said, for the first time in the Supreme Court's history, we are now actively affirming the right of public businesses to refuse service based on sexual orientation. Now, I'm sure many of you will have heard about this case. It was all over the news last month. But here's a little refresher. Over the past seven years, a Colorado woman who, according to our records, is best described as an unemployed walrus, has been preemptively suing her home state. Her gripe? She would like to protect her First Amendment right to never create wedding websites for same-sex couples before actually making any in the event that anyone sues her and tries to make her make one. Oddly specific, right? Even for conservative Christian middle America. But no, it gets better. Not only has Lori Smith, the aforementioned walrus, never received a legitimate commission from any two self-respecting homosexuals ever, to design a wedding website, she has never even opened a website design business. This case was fought and argued before the Supreme Court on nothing more than lies and hypotheticals. Nothing happened, no one got hurt, but it went to the highest court in the land, and eventually they ruled in her favor. But, my little hormones, all is not lost. This week, we want to give you a little taste of Supreme Court history. Because who doesn't love a little barely legal? All that blank v blank where someone's always versed for something or someone, and there's simply nothing fiercer than the phrase, I dissent. So who is the motherfucking supreme in this country? What do they do up there? Are they really after the gays? And what does this case mean for us moving forward? There's a lot to figure out here, so the court now invites you to slip your speedos on and come on in. Because the water is what? Human temperature. Uh, hello? Are you going to mention that I'm back? Oh my god, Donal! I didn't see you there. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling wonderful. It's so great to have you back. It's good (laughs) to see you sitting up. And um, the stitches behind your ears are healing so fast. That's amazing. How dare you. So let's go back in time and take another rewrite through our history. ourselves tonight and cover all the things that's still a mystery cause if you think you know you don't know around the world we go 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 time to blow your mind with historical homos historical homos historical homos hello everybody and welcome back to another wonderful informative and somewhat annoying and challenging and incredibly informative episode of historical homos hi bash 
So good to have you back, sweetie. I feel safe with you here. Oh, it's good to be back, darling. Don't ever leave me. And what better topic to discuss than the motherfucking Supreme Court? Mm. Yeah, we're going a little more modern today. I hope listeners are ready for that. I typically, of course, like to keep it to anal that happened, you know, 2,000 years ago. But That was the last time you got laid? <laughs> Actually, I got laid this weekend, so oh. someone ring the gong. <laughs> so the Supreme Court have not had any effect on your on your sex life? No, I mean, actually, the Supreme Court, reading about all of this um, Supreme Court sexy business kind of got me in the mood, and I just sort of ordered in a, a nooner, as they call it, oh. yesterday. Well, that's nice. It's You know what? You, you don't realize, I mean, you, you don't know, the great words of Joni Mitchell. You I hope he's listening to this podcast. Gone. <laughs> the nooner yeah. being described as the nooner <laughs> wow i mean i think it was around noon as well when neil gorsuch you know announced the the, <laughs> the decision uh, um so maybe it was just as you were climaxing i don't, I don't climax i never climax you don't? <laughs> you're an edger you're an edger are you one of those i i live only to serve <laughs> but um I get exactly, you know, so to quote, you know, Johnny Mitchell, who, you know, and then John Jackson, who sampled her, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And I think mm. that um, it pro- a lot of people's, uh, you know, gay sex lives probably got a little better because we're just one, one little hair closer to losing all our rights, Bash. What do you think about that? That's true. There is a little, you know, there is a little soupçon of um, danger in the air. It does make butt fucking mm. a little more interesting when people don't want us to do it. Um, mm. As with all things, but we need to we need to get into the business of today because we're talking about the Supreme Court. I want to give everyone a little overview of what the Supreme Court like kind of is, if that makes sense. Um, I know I certainly n- didn't know a ton of this shit because I don't care like most of you. Um, but it is super fascinating the way it works, and I will also remind listeners that Donald Brophy and I are. Mm, White trash. So while we scumbags are both extraordinary, absolute order. scumbag fraud Charlatans. criminals. Yes. Now, while we are both extraordinarily beautiful and intelligent, we do not know everything about everything. And if you disagree with anything that we say, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. And if we miss something, then God, I'm so fucking sorry that I, a single mother of a dog that I share with my sister, missed one little fact from the whole history of the fucking world. But I guess what I'm saying is we may not know everything, but we know something, and we're about to tell you that thing. Now, yeah. the question at hand... <laughs> come, you like that? come on in, Donald. Yeah. Um, the question at hand, where do Supreme Court come from? I actually, because this is famously a visual medium, I excerpted a little image of these Supreme Court justices from like the 1950s, and... I, it's it's actually astonishing to me how silly they look like they it's it's giving hail satan it's it's very very silly um to but me it looks are... like jesuit jesuit monks like you know my irish yeah. background yeah but they um, look very yeah, sinister ecclesiastical. You, they look very sinister to me like i i guess there's something about a group of nine white men nine old white men that is just sort of like this is a horror movie um mm. but anyway who are they um, as most people can imagine, the Supreme Court is 
the Supreme Court in the land. They are the head of the federal court system created when the country was created, basically. And they're kind of designed to be the court of last resort, which is a sick little title. A catchy little title. Yeah. Catchy. Court of last Um, resort. The court of last resort. So... What they don't do, though, is, like, trials. Like, I guess I had in my mind that people go before the Supreme Court and it's, like, an episode of Law and Order and there's lots of (gasps) moments and clutching of pearls and finger-pointing and, like, you know, legally blonde-style things. I object! Um, But that's not the case at all. Like, the Supreme Court basically hears court cases where people are looking for a different answer to something that didn't go their way in a trial court um, or one of the lower intermediary courts. Um, So it's, it's... not quite as uh, high octane as you might imagine. Um, that mm-hmm. said, they do have a lot of power in terms of deciding on what issues they actually want to give a decision on. So the Supreme Court listens to about 100 cases per term, which is a little over 1% of the cases that they actually receive in a given year. Um, and, and so they have like pretty much exclusive discretion in terms of what they want to hear, which means that their choices are very politically important and very strategic right so it's all determined by who's on the court so if you have a bunch of republican um justices then they're going to take cases where they can sort of give decisions that have an impact on the republican political agenda um but the the one sort of thing working against that the balance of power there is that to hear a case you actually have to get four judges to vote to hear it um so that you know it's a somewhat uh democratic process but i didn't know that i I didn't know that they hear so few cases um so it's very very strategic they also have this thing called the shadow docket are you familiar with that no what is that shadow docket is interesting it's like it's basically the the cases that they decide to they decide to hear but it's almost kind of like in a half world they don't necessarily have like a a public, uh, you know, trial, oh. the right-leaning court are leaning more and more into because it's like a sneaky way of like passing all of this kind of right-wing legislation without all the hoopla. That is fascinating. I bet that makes up some of the hundred cases that they hear per term because mm-hmm. I don't, I certainly, it doesn't feel like we hear about a hundred cases per term. So there must be right. a lot well, Also, that's a lot of on. them, a lot of the cases are just kind of like boring, you know, kind of like, Stuff that wouldn't necessarily be in interest the public writ large, like farming stuff, shipping, you know, all sorts of kind of territorial disputes, what have you. You don't like um, agricultural. We law? don't hear the set. We hear all the sexy stuff about you know women's right to choose what they do with their own body and people's right to be recognized equally under the law. You know all that kind of stuff. Right, but the point is, they are choosing what those what those cases are. Like that, that is part of their power. I think is that they know that they have this like very public role, um, so they're choosing what's going to get heard for a reason. Um, but I think the the other interesting thing that I didn't understand either about Supreme Court cases is that they don't hear witnesses. Like, there's no evidence presented. It's not like the it's not like the case is happening all over again they basically the justices get like a packet and they're like this is what happened and then each side tries gets a very short amount of time to present oral arguments trying to persuade the justices that they should interpret the constitution in their favor um so there's no there's no trial going on and then the justices meet in private make a decision there and then decide who's going to write the formal written decision and some can dissent again total slate 
to dissent anytime. Everyone should be walking around now in their private lives saying, I dissent after listening to this podcast. Um, mm. And they can also write additional opinions in which they concur. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is that these decisions effectively become the supreme law of the land, right? It's, it's called controlling constitutional doctrine. Um, and, and that's really important because the decisions have a trickle-down effect into federal courts. And so they impact how lower courts are interpreting different laws, interpreting the Constitution, or deciding on cases. Just a little bit on that as well, Bash. I mean, it's like the trickle-down thing is so, is so interesting and so important because, I mean, we can also more on that later when we get into the, the weeds regarding this particular decision that we're, we're talking about today regarding LGBTQ rights. But the trickle-down effect is also felt outside of the courts. You know, there's many studies that show that once the Supreme Court recognizes or the opposite, refuses to recognize somebody's rights, that can trickle down into the zeitgeist of the country, of the citizens. It gives people permission to discriminate against uh, against a protected um, but persecuted minority. Um, yeah. You know, exactly. So, you know, in the case of in the case of this course, basically putting a sign saying, uh, you know, outside your 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 bullshit web design company that doesn't even exist saying we will not we don't serve gays essentially which is back to the 1950s um you know civil uh, rights fight or or even more recently as as we will soon see um in some of the cases that we're going to go through but yeah no i think that's what's so interesting about this about the supreme court cases is that they are very like media driven they're very public they're very um they're very culturally reflective and influential so that's that's one of the reasons that people make such a big deal about them. That said, I think I also want to, you know, show with some of the examples in this episode that the Supreme Court doesn't necessarily always work in a linear way, you know, and just because the Supreme Court makes a decision on something doesn't mean that a future court can't overturn it, as we saw with Roe v. Wade recently. Um, but there are some ways that it can work positively as well. So, and I'll get into this later. But I was fascinated to learn, and this one went completely under the radar. I guess this was one of the ones that didn't titillate the public in the way that you were talking about before, Jonal. Mm -hmm. There was a recent case where Justice Gorsuch, who is like a rabid Republican, helped create a majority to to pass this decision that basically said LGBTQ plus discrimination in uh, is unconstitutional by an employer and that the, the the logic behind that decision is now being used to strike down anti-trans laws anti-drag right. laws in states like tennessee and arkansas so it's interesting like just because you have republican justices doesn't mean that you're necessarily always going to have you know republican anti-progressive outcomes absolutely yeah that's much to the chagrin of a lot of the presidents sometimes that nominate them to the court I and mean, especially the, just the basicness of donald trump any of these people that don't rule against something then his opinion needs to, and rules to be ruled in a certain way he like takes it as a personal affront um but it's important to remember that these people besides for amy comma barrett who is literally an android uh <laughs> it's important to remember that these people are human beings they do have and they're you know a lot of them have been or a lot of them are highly probably overeducated um so as long as you know you know they do vote along party lines to you know 80 percent of the time but there are various deviations i think especially with neil gorsuch there's a libertarian streak which sometimes mm. can come into play under the guise of like you know 
which can sometimes mean he'll ruin it, rule in the favor of people's individual rights. But in the case yeah. of in the case of yeah, the, the the 303 web design case, it's the opposite. It's basically the way he interpreted the law was that you know like that somebody could shouldn't be forced against their against their belief systems to to provide a service but you know the, the, if you read Zottermeyer's dissent it's like basically if you're providing a service to the public where you're saying you have you are you under the law especially in the Colorado law you're forced to provide the service to all people um, right and Gorsuch is basically twisting that case around to make it a free speech thing when really it has nothing to do with that whatsoever because again no one made her say anything like nothing happened that's what I can't the case is so insane but that's why I want to go through some of these other ones yeah because um that are about another LGBTQ plus issue um, because it shows how crazy some of this stuff is. But in closing, I'm going to use all my lawyer language today. The Supreme Court Mm -hmm. to me kind of feel like the kids on the playground who always decide what game we're playing. Like they basically interpret the Constitution, which everyone is obsessed with for some reason. And then they hand down decisions that show the lower courts how how it's done. Um, They're really heavy on precedent. But Donal made an excellent point that they're human beings. Like there's this idea that judges are sort of impartial, you know, and, and the judges frequently peddle that um, themselves to try to position themselves as sort of just, you know, uh, blind justices. But they are human beings. They're appointed by politicians. They are inherently political. Now that we've got a good grounding in what the Supreme Court actually does, I'm sorry for all of that boring nonsense, but let's look at some actual faggotry. Because, ladies and squirrel friends of the jury, that is what we're here for. Okay, so what about the queer history of the Supreme Court? It's too complicated for simple charlatans like Donal and I to go through this history in its entirety. So let's just start with one of the oldest topics in the book and a close personal friend of mine. Sodomy. Sorry, every time you say it, I want to say it. <laughs> in a <laughs> deeper do. voice, so it's a strange harmony. Sodomy. Sodomy. <laughs> no, I think it, it is shocking to learn that only 40 years ago in this country, 24 of U.S. states plus the District of Columbia still had sodomy laws on their books. That means laws mm-hmm. that prohibited, on penalty of fines or imprisonment, prohibited any kind of butt or mouth sex for gays or straights, for anyone. Um, And this whole story of sodomy rights is not as popular as some of the other kind of landmark rights that we like to hang our hats on in the queer community, like gay marriage or stuff like that. But I think it shows us very interestingly how the Supremes... ...work, um, which is in a way that is anything but straight. These motherfuckers zigzag all over the place because, of course, they are cishet. They are disorganized. They are a fucking mess, just like sodomy. Now, the first case that dealt explicitly with homosexual sodomy was something called Bowers v. Hardwick in 1986. Let me me paint the scene for you. Michael Hardwick is this gorgeous, blonde bartender. He has, like, long 80s hair, and he's just minding his own business in his house one August night in 1982, railing the fuck out of some dude. Incredible opening line to a novel. The police burst in and catch him in the act. And he's arrested. They're both arrested, according to the state's anti-sodomy law. And then a lower court says that, no, that law is unconstitutional and everybody's upset. So the case goes to the Supreme Court. Now, 
This eventually, the court ruled in this case that Georgia did have a constitutional right to outlaw sodomy between consenting adults because, and I quote, the Constitution does not confer a fundamental right upon homosexuals to engage in sodomy. And just so we're all on the same page here, I would like to ask Donald to read for us from the Georgia State Law Code what this anti-sodomy law actually said. Take it away, Donald. All right. Georgia State Law Code. A. A person commits the offence of sodomy when he performs or submits to any sexual act involving the sex organs of one person and the mouth or anus of another. Mm-hmm. B. A person convicted of the offence of sodomy shall be punished by imprisonment of not less than one year, nor more than 20 years. Wow. Can you imagine going wow. to jail? Well, you probably get you probably get more fucking sodomy in jail. And probably, I mean, <laughs> the compound sentences that would be that would be applied to you, Bash, would be the pincushion <laughs> for the whole cell block. I take that as a huge compliment. Wow, pincushion. <laughs> <laughs> Pincushion is a visceral image. Um, I know, I and I and I wonder if like the, there are different shades of sodomy here. So like, if it's like mm. really really long and hard sodomy, is that when you get twenty years? Like, what qualifies for one year for sodomy, and what qualifies for twenty years? But it also reminds me a little bit that it's not just about butt sex. It's also kind of you know, yeah. I think it reminds me a little bit of like Shakespearean England, if you remember, like we were talking about. Um, Marlowe and Shakespeare that around that time as well sodomy was just an umbrella term for all sorts of naughty foreplay as well as as well as actual sodomy totally like and and like that is one of the most interesting things about this which the Supreme Court justices in the case after this that actually overturned this decision they came back to that because they were like these laws are from a completely different era when people were condemning all non-procreative sex in general um, mm-hmm. that's what that's what this is really about the reason there are no blowies and no anal is because you can't make babies out of them and that's of course anti-christian and therefore anti-us anti-american <laughs> so but i i mean the 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 sentence here is pretty intense like i think this is one of the most this is one of the highest um sentences out of all of the 24 states in 1986 that still had this on their law books it's on a par with sentences for assault battery robbery like that's that's the level that we're talking in georgia mm. if you get caught doing butt stuff or mouth stuff. And I'm assuming that uh, a lot of these laws weren't enforced. That's a good question. I actually don't. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, we're white trash. We don't <laughs> know anything. The reason I kind of bring that up is because it re- as it, it relates to the, um, the the 303 web design case in that there's a lot of these kind of like, you know, ambulance chaser style organizations. And we do refer to them later on whether it's the, the, the defense of family or the American Freedom for Christian Family, Freedom Freedom Foundation, or whatever. A lot of these organizations that, like, you know, greyhound around the states looking for these strange little laws that are on books that, you know, these dusty kind of, like, courtrooms that nobody has enforced and nobody's, everybody's kind of forgotten about. And they're for, they force the issue because, you know, they want the issue to be brought to the Supreme Court. So, you know, because they want to discriminate. It's part, of their, it's part of their vibe. It's what they like to do. It's their calling from from heaven as they would put it and um also they want to get they want to firm up these laws so people can so they can actually start charging people and persecuting people i mean if you look at this this web design case not to bring everything back to that but just you know being that we're being a little bit mod today um she was just some random 
uh, I'm really trying to hold back actually just kind of letting loose on this woman because she like she's just the absolute worst I mean the fact that she's got nothing better to do than to team up with some organization but they basically just found her she just agreed as you said it's all hypothetical hypothetical website company hypothetical case Hi, everything was completely hypothetical which just reminds me of like these 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 laws because they wanted to challenge that Colorado um, they wanted to challenge that Colorado law and bring it all the way to the Supreme Court and they know that they have a activist supreme court in the in the current uh in the current justices that will rule in their favor so anyway there you go run yeah. finish go ahead Ben. no 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 i think it's a good point i i mean definitely in the in the modern uh in the laurie smith case the walrus i like to call her a walrus because i feel like that's an insult laurie smith that's it but i, yeah. I feel like walrus is an insult Did you see the picture of the new york times the, the picture that the new york times ran over was so funny it was like her in her quote-unquote office and it's so obviously just like some strange little like set that she set up in her house. And she has these like uh, pictures behind her, like work hard, dream hard, you know, pray to Jesus, like all these kind of like strange little kind of like pictures on her wall with inspirational Christian quotes. And you can tell that there's, she she's never designed a website, never mind, never designed fucking anything in her entire life. You know, she's just a vessel for the, like an empty vessel for these like, hate-filled organizations to take people's rights away it's disgusting yeah i guess she's a good reminder that people are living their lives buying things off of pinterest um Hmm. thank god for them they keep our economy strong so (laughs) back to the sodomy story however i think what's interesting about this case is sort of the like the reasoning that the supreme court justices gave because it was actually such a such a like blatant manipulation of the case that, and this this decision lasted for a good 17 years or so. Um, but when the Supreme Court eventually overturned it, they were like, these motherfuckers were acting a fool. And they were very, very pointed about that. So the, fir- the first argument that the people who were trying to argue for Michael Hardwick put forth was, this is basically about privacy, right? Which is, that, that is exactly what this case is about. It's, does the government mm-hmm. have a right, does the government of Georgia have a right to legislate about what people do in their private homes consensually? But the justice, which is what Roe versus Wade, which is what Dobbs was kind of about, ex- based on as well, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. and they and they the, the the lawyers in this case cited Roe v. Wade. They were like, "How is this different?" Um, but what the what the justices tried to do, and the uh, successfully, and the chief justice in particular, whose name is I think his first name is William Berger, Chief Justice Berger, who was like a crazy homophobe, like really just out of control homophobe. Even his fellow Republican justices were like. Tone it down a notch, dude. Um, I did. <laughs> like, we actually don't need that level of heat. But what he tried to do was reposition this case. So it, so the fundamental question at hand was, Is does the Constitution confer a fundamental right on homosexuals to engage in sodomy? Which is not the question of this case, right? But so mm-hmm. that that's what they tried to do. And there, and that made the um, the advocates in the case have to sort of argue along those lines to the point that they were even arguing that the right to engage in whatever kind of sex you want is, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, which the justices were like, um, I don't know about that, buddy. So they, they manipulated they manipulated this case so that they were talking about a completely different thing, basically. Um, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened in the Lori Smith case. That's why I think it's important to bring this up. What they did do, actually, and what's relevant for us at, here at Historical Homos, is they marshaled the historical tradition of anti-sodomy laws 
to their case. So the people, the justices who wrote the majority opinion said sodomy has always been a criminal offense from the Roman days up to now. And they cited all of these different things, including some of those laws that you were mentioning, Donal, from like the Shakespearean times, um, mm-hmm. from Elizabethan times, the, when Henry VIII first uh, signed the Buggery Act in 1533 that outlawed sodomy. Um, and they said all mm-hmm. the 13 states always had anti-sodomy laws. Um, even when the 14th Amendment was passed, there were 37 state or 32 states that had them. Um, and of course, still to that day, a bunch of other states still had them. So they were arguing it was mm-hmm. it's ridiculous to say that the right to engage in consensual dope as fuck anal sex is protected by the Constitution or any kind of legal tradition in, in Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure they would go. We can go. They went back and cherry picked any type of start. Well, this is kind of, and just a little sidebar on this for 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 our listeners. I mean, there are there are essentially two tribes on the Supreme Court: originalists and um, and what's the what what are like the the liberal justice called? Inter and like they interpret the law, they interpret oh, the constitution. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. But the originalists are the ones that you know basically literally it's like people who read the bible literally and um, they read the constitution literally the thing should be interpreted literally as it was as it was uh, written by the founders in the like 1700s so um it was up to them would be we would be living by medieval law i mean you know chopping the heads off homosexuals and all the rest of it i mean given given the choice i'm sure that's probably what they'd vote for yeah like gorsuch is is an originalist you know like he he wants to yeah. interpret the constitution as the founding fathers wrote it um and and but i think this is this example is so interesting because it's like this is why people need to know their queer history because of course as we said earlier all of these sodomy laws applied to homosexuals and to all people to all non-procreative sex that's why they existed it wasn't because people were targeting homosexuals specifically and that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're like oh sodomy that's a gay thing but no back in the day Mm -hmm. when these laws were being written it was about all people not engaging in this most unholy unchristian form of sexual pleasure so and, and and that history, that queer history, that nuance was used in the later case um, that overturned this one. The other interesting thing about this case is that it definitely came at a time in the culture where people, and I remember this growing up as a young fagot, um, the, the, the sort of... Um, zeitgeist was kind of like well anyone can do whatever they want in their own homes you know as long as it's behind closed Mm. doors then it's fine that was Mm. that sort of like you know tepid acceptance of uh of homosexuality that was floating around in the country at the time but in this case the justices were very specific they said it does not matter that this sodomy happened in someone's home it doesn't matter that it was um in private because plenty of other victimless supposedly victimless crimes like the possession or use of illegal drugs which i love that the supreme court calls that a victimless crime are still Mm. illegal even if they happen at home right so they they basically got around the privacy argument that way and then the the really fascinating thing about this case, which is very relevant to the Lori Smith thing, is that there was actually a straight couple known in the case only as uh, John and Mary Doe. And they said, and they were in the case when it was in the lower courts, and they were on the side of Michael Hardwick, basically, that, saying they had been, quote, chilled and deterred from the prospect of engaging in slightly more exciting and therefore illegal sex in Georgia because of this statute. But... 
the lower court said you guys have no leg to stand on because you haven't actually suffered any direct injury from from the statute right basically saying nothing happened yet so you don't have a right to sue us on um you know the fact that you're scared which is exactly what laurie smith did yeah isn't that insane yeah and then also like basically just the irony and the absolute bullshittery of Republicans saying that they're for small government and staying out of people's lives. I mean, right. Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't get any more intrusive than the government coming into your bedroom and having a chilling and <laughs> what was the other? a chilling and deterring <laughs> effect that the next time um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Chilling deterring laughs> the next the next uh, time the, you don't uh, want to have sex you're like emrys i'm chilled and deterred tonight <laughs> john doe's boner just went when he thought of the law the legal ramifications that he would be breaking <laughs> the legal ramifications of sodomizing his wife but no this this shows like how you can how it really the depends hypocrisy, yeah. yeah and 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 how like anything can happen basically it's like if the supreme court doesn't want to hear it or if it, a lower court doesn't want to hear it because you have nothing has happened to you yet like sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't in the case of laurie smith nothing had happened yet but they all heard her case. And this was a real case. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, this is the, the Larry Smith case was just not a real case. And the fact that they, you know, as you, as you said earlier, the fact that you have to have four justices to agree, which, which you know, cases to hear, the fact that the four, they the took, four yeah. of them agreed to hear that, knowing that it was bullshit, that it had never even happened, it was all hypothetical. It's just No, I think it's, it, it, there must be some word for it. it. It's like so unethical. It's insane. But, mm. but what was interesting about this straight couple is that they didn't take their part of the case to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court actually was able to focus this decision in and, and say, we're only talking about homosexual sodomy. So they were very clear mm. that it was constitutional for states to legislate against homosexual sodomy. Right. They were not mm. talking about any anyone else. And that so this this case deliberately targeted us. Um, so tell me, I'm on the edge of my seat. How did it like what was the ruling? Well, so the the ruling came from a guy named By Byron White, um, who was a right wing uh, justice, and the ruling was yes, the states do have a constitutional right to legislate against sodomy because there's this long legal tradition of it. All the other states are doing it, and just because this happened in the privacy of Michael Hardwick's home doesn't mean it wasn't a crime. So it was a very rushed opinion, apparently, and Chief Justice Berger wrote a concurring opinion that said, oh, and by the way western civilization has been outlawing homosexual sodomy since the roman times you know so he really oh, went right. in and he has this yeah. quote that in his where he goes to hold that the act of homosexual sodomy is somehow protected as a fundamental right would be to cast aside millennia of moral teaching so he is really just nakedly making this a moral issue rather than a legal issue about the Constitution, interpreting the Constitution and um, the rights conferred therein. Wow, listen to my legal, my legalese. legalese. The rights conferred therein to essentially leave people the fuck alone. And the justices who dissented in this case wrote, wrote exactly that. They said, this is not about the Constitution conferring a right to do butt stuff. This is about privacy this is about the right to be left alone so mm -hmm. this this was a big and and actually i i'll just mention in passing that michael hardwick um was quite a visible part of this case in the 1980s and then he died in 1991 i assume from um 
complications from AIDS because he was very young, although I don't know that for sure. Mm. But he died in, in Miami and did not live to see the decision be overturned in 17 years in 2003 in another case called Lawrence B. Texas. I mean, 2003. I, I mean, mean, I was living, I was even, I'd even moved to America at that point. Oh, I, oh, I hadn't been born yet. <laughs> I, I absolutely had. Um, I, you know, but I mean, so that's, that's very sad um, that he n never lived to see it being overturned, but it's also very sad that it didn't get overturned until 2003. I, I mean, it's absolutely and we have to go into the story of this case. Like it is wild. So in this one, and for this one, ladies and gentlemen, put yourself in Texas, okay? So we know things are not gonna go well from the get-go. Now in this one, yeah. we have an older man, John, who's in his house in Texas, butt-fucking this younger dude named Tyrone, um, literally the story of Romeo and Juliet. The police burst in. And it's it's an interracial relationship too, right? right? Which, which was important yeah. because yeah. this was obvious, this case in, when it was tried in Texas was charged with racism um yeah but in in the in the beginning before they got arrested the police burst in because tyrone's ex-boyfriend had apparently called the police on them which is pretty much the shadiest thing that you can do to a black gay man in texas and said he should have just called tyrone Sorry, I had to show that one in there. My Erica Badu reference. Um, I didn't, even, I didn't even get that, but I appreciated it. Um, <laughs> show my age. So they, the police, the police burst in because they say there's been some kind of like weapons, uh, you know, use claim or something that they got a call about, and they see John and Tyrone going at it, and they are both arrested on the spot and eventually convicted of deviant sexual intercourse. I, I cannot belabor the point enough that this was in 2003. This is 20 years ago in this country. Like busting into somebody's house in the, and taking, like pulling people away in the middle. Right. Of well, I mean, po police police bursting into your house is is certainly nothing um, nothing new and it <laughs> doesn't sound like we haven't mm. heard it before. But I I just cannot believe that this was actually happening 20 years ago. I mean, I was 12 years old when when this was happening, and also I I don't remember hearing a thing about this. This was not. Um, this was not highly remember, publicized. I don't remember this, but we weren't very. Uh, I don't think anybody was very kind of like acting. You know, the, the Trump administration really changed everything for so many people. It was just a giant civics lesson. Even when I go home to Ireland, people are like, "Oh yeah, the Senate's made up of, you know, this the Electoral College." It's just like Jesus like, Christ. Oh yes, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. I mean, I think it's a good thing though. But anyway, I think we're you know, good things happen when people are paying attention, but. No, it's true. It's true. But I also think that there's something about this particular fight against sodomy laws that was sort of distasteful. Um, right. And there's a lot. It, yeah. it, it just smells like respectability politics to me. It's like everybody's in for the gay marriage fight, you know, but nobody cares about what we're allowed to do in our bedrooms mm. because that's the icky part of being gay. But anyway, I digress. Um but mm. the, the court in this case, the, the court, the case eventually went to the Supreme Court and the court ruled um, that describing sodomy laws 
as a constitution is as constitutional is basically an attempt to control personal relationships so they were like we don't know we can't say if gayness is required to is entitled to formal recognition legally but we do know that homosexuals are just like any other people in this country and they have the liberty to choose what they want to do without being punished for it so this was the first time in the court's history that homosexuals were specifically actively literally protected explicitly by the constitution in terms of our right to be in relationships of our own choosing um at, at least in our homes and, and in our private lives right uh so i think that's a huge landmark decision um and and a lot mm -hmm. of it came down to them attacking this previous decision and say and pointing out how flawed the reasoning had been i think this was a more left-leaning court at the time so you know it was probably the right um right place at the right time but one of the most interesting things that they pointed out was that these sodomy laws didn't target homosexuals specifically. So you couldn't say that any of these laws um, had anything to do with the tradition of targeting same-sex couples, which they noted in America had only begun in the latter half of the 20th century. That's when a lot of these state law codes mm. had been changed um, to make the anti-sodomy laws specifically about same-sex couples. So they, the Supreme Court knocked that down in one fell swoop. It's also, I think, important to, you know, like, why, while this happened in 2003, which just seems like so, you know, recent, like 20, 20 years ago, it's, it's incredible that people are being charged with sodomy and Jesus Christ. You know, what's also kind of interesting, and the irony is that, you know, the gay marriage fight had already begun and made serious headway many years before this ruling so like basically we were on our way to getting mm. gay marriage after the you know the hawaiian supreme court basically ruled in favor of gay marriage um you know a lot like in the 90s so it's just you know it's also speaks to you know frankly i mean i'm not you know unlike you bash i'm not like a, a american basher <laughs> because I, I actually, you know, I mean, I like, I kid, I, 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 but you know, like, uh, you also, you always find immigrants have much more. I hate everybody equally. <laughs> um, but I also just think it's the genius nature and just the messiness and just the absolute madness and beauty of the American legal system that, like, you know, in in Hawaii, they, uh, you know, one of the only, you know states in the union that doesn't have a majority christian kind of coalition that's and that basically says it everything they had they passed a uh a, you know mar marriage legalization law in their supreme court in the in the 90s that was eventually brought the mormons came in um the carpetbaggers came down saw that this was happening and worried about the implications it was going to happen the rest of the state so they started up this whole legal fight against it but it was just it's it, in that time when they got shut down obviously and so much later but you know it's just the, the the madness of kind of like certain triumphs and then certain setbacks in the, in the legal system hmm. it's just very fascinating to me when the states are just so completely different as well really it's just like I, and I think that's um, one of I think that's one of the big takeaways here. And um, we'll we'll talk about we'll finish up by talking about the Laurie Smith case um, in a moment. But I think we have, especially now that the court is so right leaning, we have a tendency to to demonize them and and you know and because they have such a public role in these in these cases. Um, and 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 the court was right leaning for a very long time. I mean, for most of the most of American history since Nixon, basically. Um, it was right-leaning, except for, you know, uh, 
few decades here or there where it was um, a little bit better. But I, I think we have this tendency to think of them as like the ones who are fucking everything up. But the court does have some good days. I mean, they are extremely mm. educated people and they are sometimes actually doing their job of deciding what liberty, according to the Constitution, means and doesn't mean. Uh, of course, sometimes mm. they are also trying to strong arm their own personal morality codes into the American legal system, but I think you're right. Like all institutions in a democracy, the court can be a force for good or it can be a filthy cesspool. Um, and and mm. Neil Gorsuch is actually a good example of that. I mean, I did some research on him. The problem with Neil Gorsuch is that he is actually kind of charming in a way. <laughs> like people, by all accounts, he's extremely smart. People like him. And he, he, he is a crazy Republican in a lot of ways. But then in other ways, he's not. Like there was another recent case where he ruled in favor of Native American rights. Um, which, which he's a big proponent for Native which American he's a, rights. Right, which actually. he's a big proponent of, which you, yeah. you kind of wouldn't expect. But I think it's because he, he has this um, real long tail historical view. And because the Native American question was something that actually the founding fathers did think about um mm. to some extent so i think he sees that as so like an american speaks to his, his originalist yeah, yeah it yeah. speaks to his 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 originalist um posture but like you know i just think you, you can't and and then this other case that i mentioned in the beginning which i'll just um summarize briefly but this guy in georgia once again georgia was basically fired for being gay um, it, it was pretty obvious. And so this case went to the Supreme Court and the decision that they handed down was that you cannot discriminate against LGBTQ plus people um, in you know the realm of employment. Your employer can't discriminate against you because discriminating against LGBTQ plus people is sex discrimination, is discrimination on the basis of sex, right? And they give, the, mm -hmm. there's sort of this example of like, if you fire a male employee for dating other men, but you don't fire a female employee for dating men, then you're just engaging in very plain cut and dry sex discrimination because you're, you will punish a man for doing something that you would allow a woman to do. So there's, I mean, this kind of doesn't sound super progressive. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's very tied to like yeah. biological sex. But the interpretation. But the yeah, interpretation yeah. Of, of the case is already allowing people to strike down anti-trans, anti-queer, anti-drag, um, laws in states like Arkansas and Tennessee, like states where you would expect that shit to just fly on through. So it's not quite as linear or cut and dry. It's not like all the Republican justices are just like evil bastards. I mean, they're mostly evil bastards, but there is, you know, there is room for actual genuine interpretation. And I think that is, that's cause for hope actually for, for the future of LGBTQ plus rights um, in this country. Yeah, and it and you know a cause for despair is <laughs> that when they did, you know, when Clarence Thomas gave the majority opinion on the striking down of the Dobbs decision, he made a very distinct note in the statement saying that he thinks um, Obergefell should be the next, um, it should be the next ruling or or you know precedent that should that should fall and that i mean it, it what's fascinating about that is that it's just so out of step with the general population i think the, the numbers are at like 70 percent of people like just across the board in america support uh gay marriage right. and to think that that there's even just one um, a member of the Supreme Court that has his eye on striking down the, the gay marriage decision is just it's it's mind boggling. I mean, Bash, I'd be curious as to what your thoughts are on um, Supreme Court reform. Have you have you thought about that at all? 
I'm rearing into like his future his homos here, but like uh, there's all sorts of interesting conversations now about Supreme Court reform. I don't know what they are, but I think it's fucking crazy that they're appointed for life. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think term limits should be the absolute number one. It's you know, insane. like priority for it. it's insane. The fact that the, I mean, it's also just kind of like it's this knife fight every election and the and the stakes for like all you know every election is the most important election in the history. I mean the, the population are exhausted weary worn down by all of this you know all of this just like conversation and stakes and panic around the supreme court it wasn't designed to be that way Mm. you know it was supposed to be just a sleepy little kind of like you know now it's become (laughs) um the law you know the supreme law of the land and someone, you, you, this is like the stoners the stoners guide to elections <laughs> dude, dude <laughs> totally. like democracy was supposed to be chill bro like come on, to be well to be honest with you the co- congress was supposed to decide on most of these things <laughs> You know, but unfortunately, Congress is completely dysfunctional, so everything goes. No, yeah, I goddamn Supreme Court. I was interested in that also. That like the Senate is supposed, the Senate does confirm the president's appointees for the Supreme Court, but it seems like they basically just do whatever the president wants. um, Generally, like unless there's something really like you know, I I mean, there there have been obviously. cases in those in those hearings before the senate where they're like like merrick garland i feel like that's what happened with him right um and they were basically stalling on that so that trump would be able to i mean um but i do yeah i think it's insane and i think if if i had to guess it probably comes from a very like classical enlightenment era conception of what a judge is like this kind of you know paragon of ethical and moral thinking judge judy Oh, please. Um, who's like always impartial, always, you know, and I, I think that there's because of how many people are in this country, because of how democracy has evolved. It is insane that we're laboring under the delusion that judges are apolitical. Like, it's just absolutely insane. Well, I mean, especially considering the, the, the political circus that's that's around the election of the president with the with the explicit. Um, you know, objective as to as to get you know um, justices on the court. Mm. I mean, that's basically. I mean, you know, at all you, levels, you look at the, like the Trump appointees on the federal bench and all over the all over the country. I mean, I think they've ruled in favor of Christians like eighty percent of the time over the rights of Muslims and Jews and all sorts right. of all sorts of stuff. I mean, the numbers really just speak for themselves. I mean, they're weaponizing the Supreme Court. They have weaponized the Supreme Court. These are activist justices. But the real enemy here is not just the Supreme Court. In fact, I I think that's a a bit of a, a misdirect it's organizations like the adf the alliance defending freedom who funded Lori smith who found her case and promoted it and turned it from literally a whisper of nothing into a supreme court case this case was shot down in Colorado courts because they were like, nothing happened, bitch. Go home. Mm-hmm. But the ADF, they are the ones that push this up to the highest, highest court in the land. And they, they are the fucking enemy. Fight the real enemy. And we're going to see more and more of that because this court is obviously just like handing out like just like decisions to, to these far right groups like fucking raining dollars on a stripper's asshole you know what i mean it's just like like they're basically nothing like the irish to find a turn of phrase for something <laughs> well they're all so all so we're going to see more and more of these because they all of these organizations are so emboldened that they want these cases to right. go to the supreme court while they can um but you know to to kind of like paraphrase a little bit you know uh, sodomire's dissent like she 
it was very quite it was quite moving actually i you know i brought a tear to a glass eye uh the um this you know she said something to the effect that the spirit of our constitution is not found in some law volume but in the people that live underneath it mm. um the, mm. you know the living yes, freedom, active citizens of the country like screw those people you know what i mean we don't need to it's not they don't get to like they they're not the bosses of us yeah <laughs> um well that, i mean it's not about them it's about us and how we decide to live our lives and, and what we're willing to and how much how much we're willing to fight and you know ultimately it comes down to the ballot box really doesn't it yeah um, and, it, and i think but... it comes down to people being people just as she said like those those judges in arkansas and tennessee overturned those laws they struck them down you know those are people who are doing their goddamn job and using the mm. interpretation of the constitution that actually has some logic to it um it's not just because mm. it's an outcome that's favorable to lgbtq plus people it's it is logic mm. that actually makes sense um we need to get the lesbians on the case they're just much more organized true don't i know it? they <laughs> built my house well do you know an interesting point is that like you know i mentioned hawaii earlier on one of the reasons why the the, the, the the Hawaiian Supreme Court in the 90s ruled in favor of gay marriages because the lesbians were amazing because a lot of these women had been had previous marriages and they had children and they had no um you know essentially shaky rights to their to visitations and their children and all sorts right. of, kind of medical records and all the rest of it so family law will save us much like insurance will save us with the environment but family law is and how it's interpreted will be the law that can go up against us. So people really need to kind of like understand, like just like you were saying, like you know, Gorsuch came down in the favor of like the uh, against anti-gay rulings because of sexual discrimination. Family law will be the thing because to be honest with you, what these a lot of the times these people. Uh, fighting to discriminate don't understand that what's good for the goose is good for the gander uh, under different administrations and under different lawsuits the same laws can be used against them yeah Um, yes so you know it's like you know it'll come back to bite them on the ass and that one day that's why i really believe that this um walrus uh, case it was a really really bad bad decision um especially from you know the likes of Gorsuch who should probably know who should know better mm. I'm not a fan by the way it sounds like I'm being easy on him and he's the worst but like you know essentially in some of this in some of his dissents and in some of his majority decisions you know that he knows better and this is very very dangerous territory we're kind of treading into now and I would not be surprised if somebody's involved in when they tried to go up and they tried to nullify um, the Obergefell decision. Uh, am I pronouncing that properly? Obergefell, Obergefell. Uh, decision. What a very non-gay word. If they keep it up, I'm all about just like flood the courts with more justices. Like just you know, I, I, apparently you know through executive order, the president could actually do that. Could actually just nominate more, just put more justices on the bench what, by forcing the other ones to retire. No, he could just put like increase the number of Supreme Court justices on the bench. Like so, basically, he it's nine justices. He could say, okay, I want there to be thirteen. You know, just that's it. Um, they obviously haven't done that because, I mean, Joe Biden is a very much kind of an institutionalist. He would never do that. But, I mean, honestly, like, if, if it's decision after decision where, like, people are literally losing their rights, I mean, this is two major rights that, like, people, you know, this is the first time that the Supreme Court has taken away with, with, with Dobbs and um, with the um, the 303 web design thing. I mean, that's 
two major uh, decisions that have taken people's rights away for the first time, you know, in the history of the of the, the modern court. So it's very, very, you know, disturbing to think that they can continue yeah. that way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this episode is what's <laughs> going to change it all. So thank you for joining us. I would also like to remind you that as, now that you've had a little taste of what uh, what it feels like, what it felt like in America to live in an America where sodomy was illegal, I'd like to remind you that sodomy is actually still illegal in over 70 countries around the world. I read this book recently by a queer activist named Adam Eli, um, which says that queers everywhere have a responsibility to protect queers anywhere. And I think that is so true, so powerful, so Use some of the empathy that you have for someone like Michael Hardwick and look up sodomy laws in other countries in the world and see what we can do about it. Because ultimately, the entire world needs to legalize sodomy. Get out there, live your lives, enjoy your job, love who you love. I love all your idioms today, Dono. I feel like I'm in <laughs> Dublin. Well, I just feel like a life well lived is the best way to to, to just drive the knife into these people's hearts because they're just miserable constantly. That, that all they want to do is make True. other people happy. Because everyone so go happy. into a go into a police so. station today and do some sodomy. That's the best way to get back at Okay, that's quite enough ranting and raving from us white trash. We'll be back next week with a proper episode about a proper homo, just as you like it. Thank you for joining us this week. You can follow us on Instagram at historical.homos. And please remember to give us a like, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube, or any other podcast platform that literally no one cares about. We love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.